Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Love the series that we have been in. It's really struck a chord playlist. And as we have talked about, and we know it's true, the music of our lives tells a story. A song takes us back in time and stirs up memories and songs speak to us about faith experiences. So our music is so profound. And so what we did is we decided to take a poll of our congregation and decide everybody's to, to send in their favorite song that spoke to them about God. And our staff compiled these and we took the top four and we went to work and we kind of picked scriptures and wrote a sermon for each song. And so each week in July, we've been doing kind of a Casey Kasem countdown. So you remember we began uh, several weeks ago doing number four on the list, Home by Philip Phillips. Number three was Fix You by Coldplay. Number two, last week we did Love Without End, Amen, George Strait, and then Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. <clears throat> and honestly, we're an amazing song um, that just strikes a chord, something deep inside of us. It was written by Paul Simon in 1969, and it was recorded and released in 1970. And instantly when it was released, it went to number one. It was the number one song for the year 1970. There's something really profound about it. So you remember 1969 and 1970 in our nation was a really challenging time. There was a heaviness in the land, uh, almost a sense of sadness. There was turmoil over Vietnam. There was this grief that still was hanging over us over the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. And there was just this, this heaviness in the land and Paul Simon tells the story of writing the song. Literally, he'd been listening to Southern gospel, and he sat down, and this melody just came to him. And he wrote the melody and the first two verses in about 20 minutes, he said. And when it came time later that they were to record it, his producer said, well, it's too short. And so he went back, and he wrote the third verse. But there's something so profound about that song that touches us, particularly in times of trouble. In difficult times, it's literally become a national hymn that brings us comfort. So it had a resurgence again uh, after 9-11 and during the Gulf War when people are hurting collectively together. It's been recorded by so many different artists. It's just that there's a profound message in that song. And I can say that because the song also speaks to me. And I could see so many of the moments of my life lived out in the song. <clears throat> I'll never forget 1970 when it was released. My parents bought the Simon and Garfunkel uh, album. 1970 was uh, a year actually that was a challenge for me. It began, things were great. I was in seventh grade and I had switched to a new school that I loved. I had great friends. I had my first girlfriend. I was living large. Things were really good. And then in the middle of my seventh grade year, the school board passed a policy that you could no longer go to school outside your district. And I was going to have to leave the school I loved and go back to a school that I did not love so much. And I was crushed. I thought I'm going to leave my friends. I'm going to have to go to where I don't want to go. I was just devastated. I thought it was the end of the world. I, I, we didn't use the word, Kyle, depression, but I was deeply depressed. 
And I remember my mother had gotten this album, and I would sit in the little den in our house, 3405 Schuler Drive, Bossier City, Louisiana, and I would listen to that song over and over and over again, because instinctively, even as a seventh grader, when I heard the song, I heard Jesus singing it to me. And I thought that somehow, some way, I was going to make it through those times because Jesus was sailing right along beside me, and he would not let me go. That's why I would say when we face times of trouble and we're worried and we're upset and we're overwhelmed, we need to go back and put ourselves in that song and know that Jesus is our bridge over troubled water. That's really the message of our scripture we're going to read. It's a classic passage that gives us such a word of hope and comfort, and I think it fits in beautifully with our song. So before we dive in, let's remember what was going on. Jesus had begun his public ministry. He was traveling, teaching, and he was teaching them all of these wonderful parables about the kingdom of God. And the crowds were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Finally, he needs a break. And so he and the disciples try to get away for some quiet time. It's that moment that our scripture picks up. So if you have your Bibles, Let's turn now to Mark 4, and let's read verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with him in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and to see <clears throat> obey him. An incredible moment where Jesus teaches the disciples something really important. And I want to do something a little different today. I want to take the words that, we, that, that Paul Simon wrote in Bridge Over Troubled Water, weave them together with this passage, because I think it gives us some important lessons and a word of hope when you and I face troubled times. So let's dive into this scripture and see what word we can find. And the the first word that I want to lift up is what. What do we do in times of trouble? And Jesus gives us the answer very clearly. What did he say to the disciples? Let us go across to the other side. In times of trouble, what we do is we get in the boat and we go across to the other side. We head into our fears. And we need to understand the meaning of this scripture. It meant more to those disciples than sometimes that we get because they were terrified of sailing on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is really a big lake surrounded by mountains. 
and it was notorious for storms that would blow up. Many ships would be, would be sunk and people would drown. They were really terrified of sailing across the Sea of Galilee. And remember, in their day, they had no radar, no weather forecasting, no GPS. These storms would blow up out of nowhere with huge waves, and their lives were greatly at risk. In fact, I love what one biblical commentator said about the Sea of Galilee. He said it was not unusual to see terrible squalls hurl themselves even when the sky was perfectly clear upon the waters which were ordinarily calm. The wind rushing through the mountains surrounding the Sea of Galilee would agitate the waters in the most frightful fashion. And so Jesus says to them at night, it's dark, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. They were afraid, they were terrified. They knew what could happen. But Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go. That ceiling, that feeling of, of fear and anxiety, when we're not sure we can handle the unanticipated things ahead of us in life. Isn't that what Paul Simon captures beautifully in our song, Bridge Over Troubled Water? Look, let's look back at some of the verses that capture the emotions that we could feel when you're weary. When you're feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, when you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard. That's the story of our lives. And the lesson of this scripture is we don't approach life thinking, oh my goodness, what if a storm's going to come? It's not the way it is. A storm is going to come. Troubles are going to find us. Hard times are going to find us. Difficulties are going to find us. So the lesson is not what if this happens. The lesson is what do we do when it happens as it will. And what does Jesus say? Get in the boat and go to the other side. Don't hunker down in fear. Don't get stuck on the wrong side of the sea and be paralyzed. Get in the boat and go. Face your fears. Take some risk. Because that's where we find <clears throat> our faith. It's really interesting. I was thinking about this song and this scripture, and I remembered the moment that I answered the call to go into the ministry. Um, this was in 1986. I was a 28-year-old CPA in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'd been feeling the call and went public, and our pastors will tell you, you do that. You have lots of interviews with pastors and committees, and you make applications, and there's all this paperwork, and you're talking to all these people. So we had started that process. It was going public, and then we got kind of the official word that I was not going to be able to do it that year. So Debbie and I were thinking, well, that's that. And so we were adjusting to the news that I wasn't going to the ministry that particular year. And, and then all of a sudden, about three days later, after we got that word, got another word that changed our life. There was a church in Haslett, Texas. They already had a pastor assigned, but th that pastor fell through. And I got a call from a district superintendent, and he offered me to go to the church in Haslett. Well, I'll be honest with you, I had never heard of Haslett, Texas. I had never heard of the Central Texas Conference. Harvey, I had never heard of Gordon Dennis, who was calling me on the phone. And so he called me and told me about the church. And he said, uh, you talk to your wife and pray about it. Let me know tomorrow. I had 24 hours to make a decision. 
And so Debbie was at work, and we didn't have cell phones then. And she got home, and I said, Debbie, you're not going to believe the phone call that we got. We have a decision that we have to make. Now, being a good accountant, we sat down with a T-chart. And we listed all the pluses and all the minuses to try to gather the facts to make this decision. So we started kind of with the minuses, and that is, boy, we were struggling financially. And there was no way in the world we could make it on the salary that was offered. And then we thought, oh my gosh, now this is really a reality. Can I pastor a church and go to seminary full time? But I don't know what I'm doing. Can I really do this? Can I handle this? Will this be a disaster? And then we thought, gosh, Jay was three. And can we leave our family and friends in the life we've known and head to Haslett, Texas? It might as well have been Siberia. (laughs) Didn't have any idea where that was. It was terrifying to me. But this was Debbie's finest hour. Um, Not exactly what she wanted to, to hear in that call, but we prayed about it. And both of us got the same answer. We heard the Lord say, you need to get in the boat and go to the other side. And I wish, I wish we had cell phones back then and pictures in our, in our cameras. Because I would love the picture of the moment we arrived in Haslett, Texas. Middle of June, 1986, we loaded up all of our possessions in an old unair conditioned U-Haul. You remember what they were like there, and it didn't fit, so we had a trailer behind it. We headed off to Texas, and it was a really hot, difficult day, and just on the other side of Marshall, Texas, heading west, the U-Haul broke down. And my aunt was following in a car, and so, you know, no cell phones. We went down to pay phone. We called the U-Haul number, and they sent a tow truck to us that arrived. Uh, we called them about 7 at night. They arrived at 2 in the morning when the tow truck found us in this roadside park. And so the tow truck came, and I got in the, in the car with the tow truck up in the front and guided him to Haslett, Texas. He had never heard of it either. Wasn't on his map either. And uh, we finally made it there right as the sun was coming up. And we got out and looked at this broken down U-Haul with our stuff and a trailer behind it. And he looked at this tiny little house in the middle of a pasture. And he said, how are you going to get all this stuff in that house? (laughs) And I looked at him and said, I don't have a clue. And to be honest with you, there were a whole lot of things I didn't have a clue about. But I knew the what. I knew the what in that time of fear and anxiety. I knew I was called to get in the boat and try to go to the other side. My friends, this scripture is our story for all of us. We're going to face those troubled waters. We're going to face those difficult times. And in those moments, Christ said, get in the boat and go. Go into your fears. Don't hunker down and be afraid. Go do something for me. It's amazing when we do that, how God starts to work and miracles start to happen and faith starts to be formed. So I want to urge us to be honest about the living of our faith. Are we play it safe, Christians, or are we risk-taking Christians? 
In a couple of weeks, we're going to have our ministry fair. And there's so many ways to get involved in the ministry of the church. So many Bible studies and classes and mission opportunities and, and orchestras to join and choirs. There are a thousand ways to serve. But every time we want to go forward and do something for our faith, it is scary. It is uncertain. We're not sure how it's going to turn out. And what does Jesus say? When you're afraid, get in the boat and go to the other side. Will we take some risk for Jesus? Whatever stage, whatever season of life we are, what do we do? We get in the boat and we go to the other side. Second thing is who. We remember who is in the boat with us. I love as they get ready to go and they're terrified, but what do they do? They, they took him, Jesus, with them in the boat just as he was. In a ship like that, there was a place for a distinguished guest in the rear of the boat. There would be a little carpet, a little cushion. Jesus sits there with them. So they head into their fears knowing that Jesus is right there in the boat with them. Do we know that? Because everything is different when we know that Jesus is right there beside us. Whatever we face, wherever we go, isn't that what the... The next verse in Bridge Over Troubled Water says, for me, I hear Jesus singing this to me. I make this personal. And I hear these words of Jesus singing, I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough and friends just can't be found, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Do we know that Jesus is in the boat with us. You know, sometimes when it comes to faith, we, we know a lot about Jesus. But do, do we know Jesus in a personal, intimate way? We can stay on the fringes of the church. We can have beliefs that we talk about and philosophize. We can debate theology. But have we opened our lives and our hearts and allowed Jesus to come and sit in the boat and be our guide, to be our help, to be our bridge over troubled water? Because everything is different when that happens. And we wonder, how does that work? And we get the answer in our song. When Jesus says, I will lay me down, when we teach a course on theology, Pastor Todd has a chart, and, and I love that because it shows how salvation comes for us. You, you remember this little chart. Here is the human condition. That is us with all our sins and all our problems and challenges. The other side is God, and God desires for us to be perfect as he is. Matthew 5, 48 says, you shall be perfect as I am perfect. The truth is, though, we can't get there on our own. We're not good enough. We don't work hard enough. We cannot save ourselves. So how do we get from where we are across that gulf of sin and doubt and fear, those troubled waters that divide us? We get there through what Jesus did on the cross when he laid down his life for us. And when we say, Lord, I believe and I accept you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior, at that moment, Jesus becomes our bridge over troubled water that leads us to God. Jesus becomes our who. And once that happens, everything is different. We live knowing that he's right there in the boat with us. 
Which leads us to the why. Leads us to the why. So they're in the boat. And this storm is what they feared is happening. This storm is blown up and the waves are huge and the boat is actually sinking. And Jesus is sitting back there on that cushion, sound asleep. And in my mind, he's snoring. Harvey, I'm not sure if Jesus snored or not, but in my mind, he snored. And I got a picture of that last night. Debbie and I got out in the heat to go to a wedding. And we came back in and we ate supper and we were watching a documentary. And during the documentary, Debbie asked me a question. She said, not only were you asleep, you were sound asleep. You were deep in a coma. You were snoring. I slept through the whole program. Then when I woke up, I said, now what exactly happened here? Because I missed the whole thing. Now, I don't know if Jesus was asleep like that, but he, he was. They were terrified, and the storm was not you know, waking him up. And so what happens? We, we read what happens. They're, they're petrified, so they wake him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? He rebukes the wind and says to the sea, Peace, be still, and it stops. The wind ceases, there's dead calm, and he says to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? In times of trouble, when we panic and we think, Lord, where are you? Don't you know what's going on? Can't you see the storm? I wonder how often Jesus wants to say to us, don't you have any faith? Why are you afraid? Don't you know I'm right here with you? That's the key to that third verse that Paul Simon wrote. I love how it came about. There's actually a story there. His wife at the time had just had her first gray hair, and she was not happy about her first gray hair. So when he writes, sail on silver girl, tongue in cheek, he's talking to his wife. But through the years and times of trouble, people take silver girl and put their own name in there. And I do. Every time I sing it, I say, sail on John, sail on Steve, um, sail on Victor. We put, we put our names in the song and think about that. Jesus saying these words to us. Look again at that verse. Sail on blank, put our name in there. Sail on by, your time has come to shine. All your dreams are on their way. See how they shine. Oh, if you need a friend, I'm sailing right behind. Sail on, sail on by. Don't be afraid. Have faith because I'm sailing right here with you. I love the story that came out of World War I. You remember there were these horrible battles where both sides would charge each other. It was just really terrible. And there was a chaplain in the French army that wanted to help calm the soldiers' nerves during that very difficult time. So he taught them something to do when they were afraid. He taught them the first five words of the 23rd Psalm to memorize using their fingers to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And he said, when you're afraid, just repeat that prayer again. The Lord is my shepherd. And he emphasized the index finger, the my. And he said, you need to know the Lord in a personal, intimate way. You need to know he's your shepherd. And more than that, he has a desire to keep you safe, to lead you through the valley of fear that you're in. You don't need to be afraid because the Lord is your shepherd. And there's one soldier that took this message to heart. Because after a ferocious battle, they discovered his body. He had been killed in battle. 
But when they went to him, they saw something really unusual. As he died, his right hand was holding his index finger, and they knew what that meant. His last words were, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My friends, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have storms. There are going to be challenges in our life that seek to undo everything. But in those moments, if we know Jesus in a personal, intimate way, we too can join that prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my savior. The Lord is my bridge over troubled water. And when I know that, he will ease our minds and lead us home. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. When we face those storms and challenges of life that will come, we're not alone. You're right there in the boat with us. And you call us not to hunker down in fear, not to give up, not to get negative and sour about life, but to get in the boat and go, to take some risk, to dare to follow you in a profound way, because it is in that place that we find our strength and our hope and our power, because our hope is in you. Lord, if we don't know you in that personal, intimate way, let today be the day that we open our lives and our hearts to let you enter the boat of our lives and come and guide us. Because when you are there, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live without faith because we know you are walking right beside us. You are our bridge over troubled water and you want to lead us home. So come to us, Lord, and live in us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.